folks, this is Chad. Uh, there might be some audio quality issues with this episode. I don't, I don't know if it's going to come through in the transcoding. Um, I'm not even sure if that's a real word, but thank you for coming and listening to us once again. Uh, there is no curse words in this episode. We wanted to apologize for the delay. Uh, we'll be publishing this on April 18th, which is the night before the finale of season three of The Mandalorian. So I don't know if you're watching the show uh, real time or right after it drops, but if you are, um, well, these podcasts might be a little bit irrelevant for you. Okay. Thanks again. No bad words. Apologies to the little baby children. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. This is Chad. You're here for another episode of Sick and Wick. We're going to be talking about... Oh! Chapter 23, The Spies. Directed by Rick Famiyuma. Written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I saw off the bat was that it was a nice long episode. I think it was like 52 minutes or so total with us. Oh, yeah? So... I, always, I didn't even look at that, but yeah. yeah as I always look at that, the first thing before I hit the play button. Just to give myself a little bit of an idea what I'm getting into. Yeah, well, I we all had expectations going into this episode. And I think those expectations were met. Everything that we predicted, they, they actually delivered on. Hmm. But they did it in a way... Like, the, there wasn't like a whole bunch of... Sub- wasn't really much surprise, no twist. It was just what we got what we expected. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I, it was a it was a really good episode, like border borderline great episode. I still had a few issues with it, but they were pretty minor. Like compared to what we'd been getting the last few weeks, this was yeah. a great episode. I'm, yeah, like, I feel like the sure. the season started out really strong. We had some really good episodes to start the season. Then we had a couple of kind of meh in the middle, and now yeah. we're back on track it feels like yeah the only disappointment is we you know we're back on track but there's only one more episode left like you got to get back on track with like a few episodes left so we can you know go out with a bang like a series of bangs i feel like <laughs> i feel like they are set to, i agree with you except this just feels like they're setting up a big time cliffhanger for this season. So I, mm-hmm. I, I really do think, I don't think they're going to take another two year break like they did between seasons two and three. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have the book of Boba Fett in between. I, I feel like they're going to go straight into four and Ahsoka will have a little bit of crossover with it too. But uh, yeah, I don't feel like we're going to, I, I feel like this is going to be a cliffhanger into season four sometime in 2024. So the one thing that we predicted that did not occur is Ahsoka did not show up in this episode. Nope, but I think enough. There was enough other stuff that was uh, very. Uh, it was it was heavy Dave Filoni, so it was not no big deal. And I also like I also don't know how she would have the way the episode ended up going. She wouldn't really fit into this episode anyways. So no. I think it was. I think the way they ran it was pretty well. Yeah, it would have been overstuffed if she, they just you know plopped her in there just to be around yeah but what we did get 
and it happens early on in the episode is explicit mention of Thrawn. Mm-hmm. So, so you, Thrawn exists. Do you want me to get it? Do you want to start into the recap? Yeah, let's do the recap. All right. Yeah, so the recap. So the uh, the first thing we start with is we actually go to Coruscant first. It's kind of a little bit unexpected. Um, but then we go into, we, we're out of the upper levels that we see in, I think it's episode four or so. And we are down in the shady underworld of, of Coruscant, which is cool to see in live action. And we go on, we, we zoom into Elia Kane, who we all knew wasn't working for, she's working for the New Republic, but she's a spy for Grand, or for Moff Gideon, and we're, we've confirmed she's using, she actually uses a probe droid to transmit her message to it, which I thought was kind of a cool touch. They they brought a, found a yeah. way to use a, a probe droid to still do bad things. And she basically gives him the news that she's heard from the New Republic that the Din's Mandalorians, the co- the covert, the Children of the Watch, have teamed up with Bo-Katan's Night Owls, and this is not good news for for Moff Gideon because he knows that together they are strong enough to take him down. So he needs to do something about this before it really becomes an issue. So then we go straight to where Moff Gideon is. We get this really cool scene of him walking down a corridor with like the red laser walls that they used in in the Phantom Menace when Maul was fighting Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon. And on to this, off to the side, we get our first glimpse of these Imperial Mandalorians. At least it, it's what it looks yeah. like. So if you'd watched the Rebels, Rebels used Imperial Mandalorians. They looked very similar to these guys. But these guys actually kind of look like a crossover between those... That that model of trooper and the first order troopers, like the helmets, start starting to look a little a little first ordery. So I thought that was a good little blend that they used in there. Since all of this is kind of, we'll get into it more, but all of this is kind of just pushing to to we're getting to the first order. We're getting back to Palpatine. All it's start it's explaining things along the way, whether it's subtly or not. So we get our first glimpse of what's called the Imperial Shadow Council. That's probably like eight eight of these guys yep. in uh, in hologram form. The only one that's in real life is is Gideon. But the two that we get that are the most important, really the only two names we get out of all the people are the first one is Captain Pelion. This one is big because from the original Thrawn trilogy, the one from the early nineties, it's Legends now. Captain Pelion was Thrawn's second in command. So we did. You do get another mention. You do get some mentions of him, like in the books and in Rebels. But this is the first time we're seeing him in live action. The other person we get is named Brendel Hux. That name sounds familiar to you. That is General Hux's father from the new trilogy. He also shows up. He shows up. He plays a big part in the, it's called the Aftermath trilogy, which was a trilogy of books um, that happened right after Return of the Jedi. And he also is a big player in the, the Captain Phasma book. So Captain Pelion, he is pushing that Thrawn is coming. We all just need to stand pat. We need to keep looking like an unorganized group of warlords because we don't want the new... At this point, New Republic has basically demilitarized and they don't want to give them a reason to remilitarize and hunt them down while they're still kind of in a not not 100% strength. All right. I have a comment question for you. Mm -hmm. How feasible is it that the New Republic has no idea that these these warlords are 
colluding, collaborating, and you know, are actually part of one group of people. I think what the, I think there are pockets of people from the New Republic, and this actually ties pretty well to how they set up the the new the new movies. There are pockets that believe that there are remnants of the Empire out there. They're building something. They're they're trying they're trying to reform. You you get the uh, the X wing pilot. I can't think of his name from from previous in the season and and last oh. season. He talks about mm-hmm. that he thinks yeah. something's coming. So there are people within the New Republic who believe this is coming. Something's coming. Um, but I think one thing they did a good job of establishing in the previous episode is that. The New Republic is unorganized. They're full of bureaucracy. Even if there is something, they're in their own little cocoon in Coruscant and not caring about what's going out in the Outer Rim, the unknown uh, unknown regions, all that stuff. So it's kind of a long answer to your short yeah. question. Well, I just, like, we knew of Moth, Moth Gideon, but and then we know of the pirates, but we had no indication that all these other all these other guys were around. Now, if you, so, we don't from the show perspective. But again, if you're kind of a canon junkie and you've read comics, you've read the books, you know that there's other there's other factions out there. Gotcha. So, so basically, they go through this talk about th- we need to wait on Thrawn, and Gideon basically asks him, "Well, if we need to wait on Thrawn, why hasn't he showed up yet? Like, what's holding him up?" And then he kind of second guesses this strategy and says it might be time for new leadership instead of just waiting for Thrawn. So the so they kind of go through a bunch of the other warlords agree with them. They kind of talk about what their plans are with the cloning. With they talk about something that Brendel Hux is working on, Project Necromancer, which to mm-hmm. me is a direct. This is yeah, come on. This, this is, is bringing, of, bringing back the emperor. Exactly. So it's all again talked about it a bunch of times on this. It's it's all kind of setting up to that. Yeah, I, it just confirms what we what we all suspected. Yeah, but then we get into kind of into the meat of the story of Moff Gideon is asking for reinforcements. He's asking for more tie interceptors, more bombers, and the interesting drop was three Praetorian guards, which are the yeah. the red guards, the from red the, dudes, the new trilogy, which I wouldn't have thought are, are around at this point, but apparently they are. Um, and he, and they ask him why he wants all these, and he tells them, "Well, the Mandalorians are joining forces, and we need to. They're going to be a major threat to us." And they all agree that they would be a major threat, so they agree to give him the re- reinforcements. So, and this is all all this happens before the title card. I mean, there, there was so much good stuff just before we even get the Mandalorian title card drop that I'm already excited about the episode at this point. So the next thing after the title card, we go back to Navarro and we see Bo-Katan is arriving with the, the the rest of the Mandalorians to meet up with the Children of the Watch, to meet up with the Armor's Covert. We get a little speech in the in the ship. Bo thinks this is going to be a pretty rough meeting because they basically hate each other. They're they're born to hate each other. And when they get on the ground, you can feel the tension, especially when the other yeah. they pull their helmets off. There's straight up tension. It was going to comment the same thing. It's like, even though these two factions are now united, there's still a very strong tension between the two groups. Yep. So the next thing that the armor shows up and she kind of cools it off a little bit. She gives a speech that the, our, our guests are welcome. Ooh, one, one quick thing. So I, I didn't think about this in prior episodes, but I think it's kind of important. So <clears throat> one of the factions of the Mandalorians they have imperial ships, like a, a and a healthy amount of them. 
They which they, is good. They talked about that previously that they had gone through and stolen a bunch of them. Yeah, I I I know they had talked about it previously, but I wanted to to double down on it to harp on it a little bit because they're implying that there's going to be a battle in in the future, whether it's in the next episode or another season. Mm-hmm. But they have they're going to have to fight Moff Gideon and perhaps some other Shadow Council folks. So. This is going to be important. I also want to know how I would think it wouldn't it would be pretty difficult to get that many ships. And you think about the t- name of the title of this the episode the spies. What does that mean? There's Oh. To me, I I'm going to talk about this more cuz some of my tin tin hat stuff or tin foil hat stuff, but there's some of those Mandalorians are working for Moff Gideon, working for the Empire, working for another one of those Shadow Council people. That is that's one of my theories coming up. I was thinking maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there are some Mandalorian spies within the Shadow Council. No, that could be I I've never thought about that one, but I just I I there's too many convenient things throughout the episode that kind of point to certain spies uh, and I'll I'll point them out as we get okay, to Okay, yeah. I didn't I did not catch on to that. So Yes, yeah. please point those out. So the next thing after the armor shows up, then Grief Karga shows up and he has a bottle of Sincoro tequila for Din. I don't know if you noticed that. It's a Sincoro bottle. Oh, no. Yeah, the, <laughs> the bottle he hands him. So anyways, so they head to Grief Karga's office and he. And the first thing we get is that he has rebuilt IG-11 or he's had the Anzellans rebuilt IG-11. Yeah. Um, but it's not really IG-11. They basically turned him into a mech suit for Grogu. <laughs> Which and, I thought was incredible. Yeah, so this I was, was like, finally some cute Grogu content in yeah. The Mandalorian again. And I bet, that, I mean, it, it's, it, did, it played a little bit into this episode, but I wouldn't be surprised if it plays more into the final episode of this being an important thing. Like, yeah. they, they set this up... They set this up in episode one. Let's. I think they're gonna follow through on it. But this really just like this was grief. Karga being like your cool grandpa who gives you a BB gun, and your dad's like, <laughs> no, you're not playing with that BB gun. Except the BB gun says yes and no in Atiti's voice. Yeah, so, I thought that was great. Yeah, it, the 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 toddler, you know, being temperamental. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, was incredible. Yeah. So that was that was a fun scene, and it, and. It, they use it a little bit throughout the rest of the episode. So after the office scene, we go back to the Mandalorian camp. Bo-Katan is explaining the plan to basically retake Mandalore, but that they're going to use a small scout party to go to the surface first. And she asks for volunteers from both sides. Of course, Din's the first one to volunteer. And then after that, just it's all the main characters. It's Wolves, it's Sasha Banks, it's Paz Vizsla, it's the armor, it's a couple other like random guys, but it's all the main characters are agreeing to be on the scouting party. So after that, we quickly head to Mandalore. The scout party goes down in Bo-Katan's ship, and the first thing that happens is they run into some survivors riding around on this like pirate ship type glider along the yeah. surface. So were you, this, were you surprised by these guys showing up? So I... to, to me, this is. Too convenient, number one. Ooh. So I think these guys are a good. These are this candidate is a, for yeah, for spies, potential for potential spies. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a little worried about that. So they're they are uh, night owls. The yeah, the, I mean they at least 
I don't know if they are night owls, but remember, Bo-Katan was she had she was leading Mandalore, all the yeah. all the factions. So mm-hmm. I don't think they were necessarily night owls, but they were loyal to her when this all happened. Or oh, I thought she, something happened where they saw the emblem on their ship or something. But uh, no, they, it was it was the guys on the ship saw her emblem and said uh, and asked if she was a night owl, and then they heard her oh. voice and asked if if it was Bo-Katan. But she doesn't recognize any of these people. No, she doesn't. But she's, I mean, she's the leader of quite a few people at that that point in time when the Empire bombs Mandalore. So it's not that surprising she doesn't know all of her warriors following her at that point. Okay. So we meet, we we get a little meeting that night with the survivor. And then we get the story of how Bo actually surrendered the Darksaber to Gideon. It was in order to save her people. But then it ba- ended up backfiring and, and Moff Gideon just ended up bombing Mandalore anyways. And now he's got both what he wanted. He got the Mandalorians to surrender and he, and he was able to basically almost wipe them out. And then we get a little side conversation with Mandalorian and Din talking about Bo's past. And Din basically says, I don't care about any of that stuff. And basically pledges his allegiance to her at this point just from all the stuff they've been through together. So then we cut to them planning to sail out the next morning um, when the armor suggests that she should take the injured back to the ships orbiting the planet. And at this point, it didn't feel weird to me. In the first first time I watched it, it didn't really, it didn't ring any red flags. But when they're going off into space, it all, it feels like something bad's going to happen. Like when they're, when they're exiting the atmosphere and they're getting back to the ships, I think this is another red flag. I I have a, I I don't feel good about the armor anymore. Like I I've wavered on I've her. I've been, yes, I've been. I've had her on the sketch list for a little while now. I've been wondering why she and Bilkatan haven't like come to blows yet. Yeah, I, because I, she's she was in charge, and then all these people have usurped her, and yeah. she's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and I no I think she is another good candidate for a potential spy. At this, I think for based on the name of the the show, the episode, I think she's a good and they need to because her character is so boring. Yeah, yeah, she she was interesting in the very first season, but you're right. This season is just there's been a lot of her and really nothing like. There's been no conflict. We, it's just she's like yeah, she's kind of the peacemaker, I guess. At this she's point. she just delivers information. Right, right. And she's like a she's like a non playable character. Yeah, just an NPC that just tells you, you know, oh, you want to learn about this? Let me tell you about it. Yeah. So this, yeah, the second time I really got that, I watched, I really got that foreboding that like something, something's amiss when she's taking them off to the other, to the others in orbit. So we get to the next morning. They take off for the Great Forge. Axel, Axe Wolves, and Paz Vizsla are playing like a chess-like game. And of course they get into an argument over rules. Like that's the whole point. That's the whole thing with these guys is like, you've got your rule about the dark saber. You got your rule about the helmets. Like they just, they hate each other because they just follow different rules. And so it just all comes to, this was just a, this was just a symbolic thing. So of course Paz challenges him to a fight. The fight begins. Um, They duke it out for a little bit. Din asks Bo if they should intervene. Bo says, no, we're not going to intervene. But Grogu does intervene in the in his IG twelve mech suit at the no. end. No, and they, yeah, no, 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 and they both end up backing down because they're they know this is a basically they're fighting in front of a baby. They're not gonna mm-hmm. even though he's not a baby. But and then we get the the whole did you taught your your apprentice well and he, he says 
I didn't teach him that, so it's implying that Luke or the Jedi taught him that. That's not. Oh, okay. So that's a, a Jedi. I keep thing. forgetting, you know, I keep forgetting that he spent time with Luke. Like that, that whole time that he's been that he was away with Luke seems very inconsequential. So to me, here's this thought went through my mind. This is exactly this. This whole season. They didn't need all these episodes. Like, they didn't need all this filler stuff. What To me, what they should have done, Book of Boba Fett should have been a movie like it was originally supposed to be. They needed to take, like, those the four episodes or so. They did not need... The whole problem was, as good as those episodes were, those were some of my favorite episodes in, in the Book of Boba Fett, those didn't need to be in that season. Those episodes needed to be in this season. Because yeah. yep. it almost feels like it kind of wiped out all the finale of season two, like Grogu going away, not like going with Luke. He needed to make those decisions during the middle of this season and then mm-hmm. end up back with him for the, the finale for the last few episodes of this. Yeah. This would have felt so, cause he, we talked about, he's just like a side character in this whole season. He, he has no, he hasn't done anything, yeah. nothing, no purpose. So, I mean, I've, <laughs> If you could go back in time and just kind of retro retroactive change a few things, still do Book of Boba Fett. Either do it as like a four episode thing or a or a movie, like a straight to like Disney Plus movie. Save those couple episodes for this season. Get rid of get rid of Jack Black and Lizzo. Get rid of some of the other junk and mm-hmm. plug it into the middle of this season. And now you've got something that actually feels like you yeah. got consequences. Bo or Grogu's actually still an important character, has an important arc. So it's just a lot of people didn't. I mean, we've talked about it. People didn't watch Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Not a, not as many people as watched this. So uh, yeah, yeah but it, it might be too late. I think we just got to make. They need to make the best out of this story that they can. Yeah. So, but anyways, so that's a side thought. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we, after they're done fighting, they run into a giant monster. At first I thought it might've been a mythosaur, but I think it's just another giant monster. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a mythosaur too, but it's not. And to me, again, this is a little convenient. This kind of plugs into the, the pirate, the pirate Mandalorians taking them on a path where they know bad things are. So this happens Mm -hmm. and they end up going where they go, which they, are conveniently close to the entrance of the Great Forge, but is also very close to the entrance to what we find out in a few minutes is that Moff Gideon has established a secret Imperial base that at the yep. on Mandalore that's right at this location. One thing I did think Which was, I did not anticipate. I didn't anticipate it either, but I did think when they're going, like going down in and you're going from like the rock caverns into the I thought it looked way more first ordery than imperial. Like the, oh, the, it looked like it looked like the when Ray is Ray and Finn are running through like corridors on Starkiller Base or on like the mm. super the super Death Star or the super Death Star that Kylo Ren has, which I thought was good foreshadowing for what's coming later in the episode. So actually, oh, okay, one thing I wasn't like I didn't I, I kind of say it. Like, I don't like it, like the whole setting up how the First Order was established, how Palpatine is coming back. I actually think they're doing a pretty good job with it, like subtly mm-hmm. throwing things in and making it look a little bit like First Order. I, I do, making the the armored, well, we'll get into it in a second, but the, the armored up Mandalorian Stormtroopers look more like First Order. I thought that was, I think yeah. what they're doing is good for that. 
Well, so some of the the issues that I took with the the sequel series is that sequel trilogy was that <clears throat> the stuff happens in the first and second movie. Everything like I I took no issue with the the lore aspects you know, of those two movies, but in order to arrive at what happens in the last movie, they had they make a lot of assumptions. They yada 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 a lot of stuff, which. Like, if they took their time and did it over the course of, like, maybe just one more movie, if they, yeah. you know, had doubts, it would have been okay. But, like, that's it, watching them seed this stuff in The Mandalorian and maybe in some other stuff in the future, it doesn't seem out of the blue. It doesn't seem, you know, too unusual. It, it works. Right. And I guess that's my... That... That's my only... I, I don't mind that they're doing it. I just feel like what you said, the third movie was so rushed and incohesive with the first two that they're doing a lot of things in this series to... to what Not retroactive, but to fix... Correct. To retcon yeah. episode three, or episode nine, which that's the part I don't love. Well, I mean, you kind of have to at this point, but... You, you um, kind of have to. But if they would have had all this planned out, like... If they would have had the third movie planned out and a, and took their time on it and maybe planned the TV shows with it, it wouldn't feel as clunky as it does now. It doesn't like this. Just kind of some of this just feels like an apology, not an apology, but a just like we said, a retcon for for episode nine. So the the part that we haven't really seen or they haven't really suggested, I hope they don't skip over Snoke, like. Yeah, they have to bring in Snoke at some point. You can't just go right to Palpatine clones, right? They do discuss Snoke a little bit in comics, but that's the only time I've ever seen Snoke really talked about. And at that point, he's already like an old, disfigured thing. So, I mean, to me, we're gonna find out he was a he was a clone, like he was the best clone that they they made, but he's still disfigured and not perfect. Mm-hmm. So. But I'm sure they're going to... I think you're right. I think they'll have that at some point. I don't think they'll just skip over that. So we do get... We we go into the Imperial base. They show off all the ships and everything. Um, we get the storm to the, the, the jetpack stormtroopers fighting them. They actually take out the stormtroopers, no problem. But we find out they were kind of just pushing them into the base. And it was more... It was a trap. And... They end up taking, they're able to separate the group. So it's Bo and, and probably 75% of them. And then Din and just a few of them. And uh, Din gets captured right off the bat. And then we get the uh, we get the big reveal with Moff Gideon flying down. He's got his own Mandalorian suit. He calls it a, the new dark, dark Trooper suit. But the one thing, that this is the next clue that I had. If you notice his helmet, he's got some spiky horns on it. And to me, they're a little different than the, than the, the armors, but to me, this just, is, Oh, <laughs> so if you go back to this is again, it's connecting to the, to the TV show, to clone wars, while Darth Maul was in charge, the people that De- from death watch that were loyal to Darth Maul, they all adopted Mandalorian helmets that had Darth Maul spikes. Oh, on. I feel like these two are connected somehow. Like, I think this is all connected. I don't, I think that's... It's all connected! Yeah. And I mean, that's all Dave Filoni. That was Dave Filoni's story. This is Dave. This is partially Dave Filoni's story, at least written in conjunction with Favreau. So I just feel like this is... There's too many... 
too many red flags going off to me to think that the armor is not part of what Moff Gideon is trying to do. Filoni. Filoni. Yeah. So, wait, how much more Bad Batch do we have? Oh, Bad Batch Are is they... done. Bad Batch is done for this season. No, so no. Is he one, done? There's going to be many one, more seasons. There's going to be one more. They announced it at Rebel or at Rebels at a Celebration. Celebration. One more, one more season, and it'll be next year. So it'll be three seasons of Bad Batch. So. Well, how much more Filoni can we get on Mandalorian? <laughs> and I don't. Bat. He does Bad Batch. I don't know how much he writes on Bad Batch anymore. I think he may just be like an executive oh. producer now. I don't. I would have to go back and look because they. They've they've kind of pushed him out of animation because obviously he's doing all this big big stuff now. He just doesn't yeah. have time anymore. So yeah. it's a lot of the people that worked under him when he was at Rebels, when he was doing Clone Wars, have taken Bad Batch. I'm sure he's. I mean, he's still. He's. I'm sure he's like kind of like George Lucas was on Clone Wars. He's sitting in all the 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 storyboard meetings and everything. He's giving them guidance, but he's not writing the stories. Um, gotcha. So we get the Moff Gideon comes in. We get kind of basically we get a reveal of what his ultimate plan is. He is using his plan is to use Doctor Pershing's work to combine the strengths of the Mandalorians, the Jedi, and the Cloners to basically create a super army to bring back order to the galaxy. That's that's his plan. He's he is using cloning to, and that's why he was get trying to get Grogu's blood in the first season. That's why he took over Mandalore because he wanted all their Beskar armor. He's basically just trying to create a bunch of Jedi Mandalorian super troopers is what he's is trying to create. No so, mention of the clones. Well, I guess they're cloning. They're going to create right. an army, exactly. a military. Exactly. But there's additional cloning stuff going on, but yeah. and, he hasn't gotten into that. So after he does his, his villain speech where he talks about his ultimate plan, he, he orders the destruction of the Mandalorian fleet in orbit. So I don't know how that fits in with all the the armor stuff. And then he, they've captured, captured Din at this point. They take him off to a debriefing room. So we don't know what they're doing with, with Din at this point. At this point, the ones, the Mandalorians that are behind, the that are separated, the, the bigger group of them, they start laying down cover fire for Bo-Katan as she goes back and cuts a hole in the in the other door uh, with the dark saber. They all escape except Paz stays behind because he sees all the Mandalorian stormtroopers that are coming in, and he's basically just he's he's covering for him. He's letting them all escape. So he takes out all of them. Like even when he even when his Gatling gun is on fire and he throws it down, he he takes them all out hand to hand combat. And then we get the three Praetorian guards that come in, the ones that, <laughs> that, that Moff Gideon asked for, which I, I don't know. I thought it was, I didn't, ex- when I heard, when I heard it at the beginning of the episode, I was like, this, I don't know how this is going to fit. Like, this just doesn't feel like it's going to fit, but I thought it was a cool way to do it. I mean, they took, yeah. they took him down. No problem. I, di- I didn't think it was going to happen in the same episode. I thought yeah. they were going to set up for some of the future, but yeah, those guys were cool in the last Jedi. There's, still cool now and they look very similar yeah they didn't look much different at all they had the same type of weapons so they were there they've been around for a while by the time we get to the to the last jedi i mean that was one of the best parts of that movie was that fight scene with him Mm -hmm. the the nine of them and and ray and kylo but yeah we end that's how the episode ends they take down paz he's left smoking on the ground dead and then it cuts to black and cuts cuts to the credits we're gonna get, but so when the next episode starts, we're gonna have a brief 
a brief respite, but then they're gonna go right back to battle. Yeah. Who knows if they're ever if they're going to be able to retake Mandalore or if it's gonna be it's gonna drag on into the next season. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I, they're if, gonna be able to retake it at this point. I hope not. I hope they take their time now that we're into the thick of it because there's no reason to rush. There's lots of things they can do and explore that would be fun and cool. Yeah. It's gotten, it's taken some time to get to this point. Yeah. I, to me, I think this was the best episode of the season so far. I, I really liked the first two episodes, but this was just lots of action, lots of story building, lots of introducing the bad guy. We finally know what the bad guys are, what the plan is. I know we've had, we've been critical that they've left too much in, to do in the last two episodes but I really feel like this is setting up for a good cliffhanger from season three to season four. I hope they don't do what they did with Book of Boba Fett and just kind of erase it by throwing in answers in the middle of the some other random show. I don't think they will. I think they've kind of learned. Hopefully they've listened to the fans and they've learned from their that past mistake. But we'll see. I guess my my big question is, for this episode, who exactly are the spies? Is it some? Mm-hmm. Is it the one the Mandalorians that we saw? The pirate Mandalorians? Is it the? Is it the armor? Is it even like the Axe Wolves and Sasha Banks? Their characters they rejoined Bo-Katan pretty easily with that. Even though I mean I know they're following that dark saber rule, but it all went pretty smoothly getting them back on her yep. side. So is it? They, is it one of them? So I, there's a lot. They of don't. Comments. They don't exactly say, like, it's the spies. I was thinking initially that it was Eli Kane, but, why? yeah, it's, it's kind of odd that they named it that and they don't directly answer yep. the what they posed. But I, I think that was the perfect way to do it, so keep them, keep them guessing. So. And my other big question is, are we going to see Thrawn next week? Are we actually going to see him in live we, action? He might, they might see the back, we might see the back of his head. He might come in and like save some folks, not, not, not any Mandalorians. Maybe he'll rescue the Shadow Council folks, Moff Gideon and his people. Mm. But here and and push them off of Mandalore. Here's my theory I think they are going to show him because I think they need to get people that have no idea who Ahsoka is. Interested, oh. in, interested, and connected to that show, similar to what they did with Loki and He Who Remains. I think I feel like they're saving that for the finale. Like they're, it may not be near as big of a a role that He Who Remains had in Loki, but I think mm-hmm. they got, I think they got to suck the people in to watch Soka because they saw what happened with Book of Boba Fett, and they may have a bad feeling that they might not get the viewership on that one. Like happened on that on that show so yeah they need to get people excited too and so i think that'll be one way to pull it off yep that would be it would certainly would me but yeah we need to get we need to get the general population excited to watch ahsoka in august as well yes sir yeah and maybe maybe we'll get a cameo from rosario dawson yeah Yeah, could i i don't even i wouldn't mind that I don't, need, I don't it. need it. I don't need it. I almost think Thrawn Thrawn would be a bigger like a bigger wow moment than Ahsoka at this point. Um, I know. I just I think they would I think they are, they want to get people excited for the sh- for 
Ahsoka, mm-hmm. the show, and the best way to do that is to show Ahsoka. Right. If it, for marketing purposes, blah, blah, blah. Story-wise, I think Thrawn should show up, and I don't think we need Ahsoka. Yeah. I was very glad that they didn't waste any more time not showing Giancarlo Espinosito. He's such like, he needs to, he needed to be in the season more. Like, yeah, what? It, unacceptable. You, you have such unacceptable. a great, yeah, you have such a great actor, someone who plays a villain so well at your disposal and you use them for two episodes. I know. That's, that's they, kind, of a, kind of a bummer to me. That's unacceptable. They They could, and if there was an issue with him, like, you know, not being able to be on on set, they should have put him in a mask or something and have him do some voiceover. But yeah, this is there was at least three episodes this season that were not necessary and hurt the momentum. I got another prediction for you for the final episode: the stormtrooper slash Moff Gideon are pulling Din's mask off. Oh, he's, oh he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's gonna get his mask forcibly removed. How many times? Okay, so Din's had his mask off once, three times. Three times. The first oh. season, first season when IG Eleven has to repair him or heal, like heal his wounds. Oh. And remember, he has the conversation with IG Eleven that no, like no human or no man is supposed to see me with my mask off and he tells him, well, I'm mm-hmm. not a man, I'm a machine. It's fine. The second time is when he scans his face when he's with Bill Burr yep. at the Imperial. Oh, okay. yes. And yes. then the last time is with Grogu at the end of the season two finale. So Yeah. It, it almost... There's times where I see Pedro Pascal on TV or in film and I... It's... I forget that The Mandalorian... That Din is Pedro Pascal. Yeah, like I, I do too. He doesn't have to do much voice work. Like his acting is, you know, he just is very straight. Yep. I yeah, and I I just say they they they're not going to go a season without showing his face. So I think yeah. it's it's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to show his face once a season. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's a perfect way to do it. Is he's he's captured? They're gonna they can just physically remove his helmet. So. But yeah, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm glad they, as much as I didn't like last week's episode, I'm glad they steered the ship the right way. Let's, let's mm-hmm. bring it home strong next week. I think they can. Um, Come on. Yeah. Come so, on. I, is next week also written by both of them or is it just? No, I think it's just, just Favreau. Favreau. But it's all, it's directed I mean, I, by Fami Yuma again. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we're. Which he did a good job in this this episode. He's, yep. He's and I don't know how many he's gonna direct next next season, but he got the EP credit. So like, let's have him. Like, we got people who know what they're doing. Feed them the rock. Yeah. John Favreau and yeah, and some of you are. Did John Favreau? He didn't. Have, he directed the episodes this season, did he? I don't think so. Don't which think he did I mean either. he. That's why Rick's on, like, Rick's there to be, like, the, 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 you know, the safe, the guy who knows what's going on. Yeah. And also knows how to do it, like, technically and knows the story as well. Like, he's a trusted, a trusted person. It's hard, it's tough to direct an entire season, but we have one director. Whenever they do that, it's like, it's a huge ask. Right. Even three is a little tough, but there's a big break between 
his his episodes. Yeah. So one other, just a, another interesting thing. I I watched the interview with Kathleen. IGN had an interview with Kathleen Kennedy after a celebration, just kind of talking about the movies and where everything's going. Oh, I think I saw a little bit of this. She. So we talked about like Favreau maybe being like the Kevin Feige type person, like bringing all the stories. Mm-hmm. She did not talk that. She didn't really bring him up at all. She brought up Dave Filoni. Like she her she mentioned Dave's name multiple times when it came to the movies, when it came to TV. Like this is this is Dave's world. Like we're like that, yeah. the the one thing that struck me the most was they were talking about who's doing the who did Indiana Jones. He's doing the the old 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 Republic movie. James Mangold. Yeah, James Mangold. Same guy who did Logan and is doing. Oh, I they talked. Oh, about... I didn't know he was. He did Indiana Jones, but yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, okay, I knew he was doing. The interesting that movie. the interesting thing I she said is that when he pitched the movie, James Mangold, it was she. He met with Kathleen and Dave, so it's like it's oh, Dave. so Dave is almost sign, Dave has to sign off. Yeah, it sounds like Dave is the Dave, Dave is, and this is what he was bred. Like not bred. This is what he was. He born was, to do it, well it's what he was taught to do in clone wars he he is the next he's the next lucas like he is the keeper of the story he's the one yeah. that's pushing he's he's got to sign off on everything at this point it sounds like so i hope i hope he he is liking the job and we don't burn him out i hope so too but i i think i've never heard an interview where it didn't i think he has too much it's it's work, but he has so much fun doing it. It sounds like, at least from all his interviews, he never sounds like this is too much for him. He always likes teasing the fans. He always likes revealing things, but not revealing too much. He's got his favorite characters that he likes to work with. He loves writing the stories. He obviously likes working with legends characters, like bringing the, finding a way to bring them back to make older fans happy. So I don't. I feels like he likes it, but you're right. I hope they don't burn him out. Yeah, I just, you know, I think Disney has learned their lesson after the mistakes they've made with the MCU. Let's hope they don't uh, make those mistakes with Star Wars, especially with someone as good as Filoni at the helm. Yep. That's all I got Uh, for, for today. Okay. All right, folks. Thanks again for listening to another episode. We'll be back. I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out because I'm a little behind. And I'm also going to be out of town. So there might be there might be a delay before our final episode of this season. Mm, that's uh, anticipation. Apologies, apologies. All right, well, from here in Los Angeles and in Tampa Bay, Florida, good night, and may the force be with you. Bye. <laughs>